Hello everyone, my name is Stephen Bushong. I'm associate editor with Solar Power World. This is Solar Speaks Live, powered by Unirac. I'm here now with Tom Kimbis. He's the interim president of the Solar Energy Industries Association, otherwise known as SIA. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Absolutely, and uh, you know, I'm looking out over SPI, which you guys uh, put together, thank you. And all I see are packed aisles, packed booths. Las Vegas, for its part, is as hot and welcoming as ever. Uh, but something unfortunate happened here earlier in the year. Uh, the PUC allowed Nevada Energy to, uh, to raise fees on and reduce net metering credits for solar users in the state. So, you know, while we're here, what's your message for solar users and companies in Nevada? What are you and others at SIA doing to help support distributed generation in this state? Well, first of all, thanks for having me here. And you're right, the show is, is kicking. Um, <laughs> and lucky, the unfortunate thing uh, when you transition there uh, that's happened in Nevada did not happen here at our show. Uh, so, but to the PUC decision, the PUCN, uh, it, it was an unfortunate uh, decision, and we, we hope it was uh, more of an error in judgment that can be corrected. Okay. Uh, CIA is very engaged right now. We have a very active Nevada State Committee that's uh, trying to move the ball forward. Uh, Governor Sandoval has made some very positive gestures towards reverse, getting this decision reversed or some, you know, some sort of solution that works for Nevada. It's, it's just, it, it's just you know, not responsible as a government of a state to have your uh, to have your citizens unable to use a, a clean, reliable, affordable solution, energy solution like distributed solar, and that's essentially what happened. You had yeah. a complete shutdown of the residential market. Um, what we saw actually last night was a an agreement between the utility Nevada Energy um, and Solar City and a few others uh, involved to eliminate the grandfathering problem, I have a solution for the grandfathering problem. Uh, that's a great step forward. That would allow, I think, about 35,000, uh, that would solve uh, this problem for about 35,000 uh, customers. If that goes forward, it actually is gonna have to go to the PUC uh, in Nevada for you know approval. But we're, we're, we're positive about Nevada. We know we've got work to do, yeah. but I think it's a process of educating and, you know, Making sure we're as as industry we're showing up and uh, educating policymakers and and listening to the voices uh, of the people who want solar. I mean, as one of the sunniest states in the nation, I mean, so the solar industry should be strong here. So it absolutely should be. Looking There's forward no to that. I want to uh, focus now on a discussion that's taking place online uh, recently um, about the makeup of the SIA board. Okay and the ratio of companies representing distributed generation and those who have more of a focus on utility scale, solar. Um, some people are saying there is an imbalance there, that the ratio isn't quite what it should be. What's, what's your take on all of that? What's your feedback? Do you think there's an imbalance? You know, I, I think it's very hard to say there's an imbalance on this board. I think anybody who's worked in a trade association or even in a corporation work with the board of directors and tells you they have a perfectly balanced board is not telling you the truth. Um, because you have a makeup of certain individuals and what's happening in uh, who represent companies, um, of course, 
is that within the solar industry, we have many different companies represented on our board who have their hands in very many different business models that range from distributed generation up to utility scale and everywhere in between, into right. storage and otherwise. So I think it's very hard to sit there and say this is a pure and only distributed generation company and always will be. And here is a utility scale company always will be. I think what you want to strive for in the board is to make sure that we're carrying out the mission of SIA to build a strong solar industry to power America. I think we're doing that. Could we make improvements in our board structure? Every board can make improvements. Mm. Are we open to those suggestions? Absolutely. There's no question about it. Uh, so, you know, it's sort of a continual evolution. We, our board has ranged, as I've been at SIA, from about 30 to as high as 50 members. Uh, so it's a large board. Uh, I think we represent a lot of, of you know, companies from small to large because we created, uh, about four years ago, five, uh, uh, elected positions for five new elected directors. And that allows the members of SIA to elect who they think would be best on the board. So right now we're about a third elected directors, uh, and they could be from you know, very small companies, and then two-thirds uh, they're paying uh, you know, dues at a board level of membership. I think the structure is working well, but again, I think there's always tinkering that can go on. So and for the companies who are worried about this, what can they do uh, to have an impact and to bring more distributed generation voices to the board? Well, luckily, like as I mentioned, these we've got we've got uh, committees, we've got divisions, we've got task forces. A, lot, a number of these committees and task forces and all of the divisions have rep the divisions have representatives on the board. Mm -hmm. The committees and task forces send information and, and suggestions up to the board. So I think, as in most organizations, the information flow is up to the board, and then the board has to make the decision as to how it would restructure itself. Nobody else can come along and restructure right. a board other than the board itself. Um, so if a, if a board needs is the to board make, listening to the concerns? Well, I think the concerns that have been raised most recently have come out in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, um, I know there's certain board members who I've spoken with personally who absolutely have been listening, um, but we haven't had a board meeting since right. then. We have a board <laughs> meeting coming up next month. I'm sure it's something we'll be talking about, and I can guarantee you that. When these sorts of suggestions, whether they're coming from the current contributors or whether they're coming from, from others, uh, from small companies or large, are going to be discussed and they're going to be addressed uh, seriously because we need to be effective. Stephen, if we're not effective, if we're not running the right way from the top, then we're not running the right way throughout the organization. And if we're not doing that, we're doing a disservice to this industry. I think what you see looking around is that this is a thriving industry so I think we're probably doing something right in our small part of it, and we probably can do some things better, so give us a shot and see what we'll do. So the message has been heard. The message um, has been heard. You've been uh, filling in uh, after Roan Resch left on May 31st. You've been interim president ever since. Um, SIA has communicated a lot about its national search for a new director, or a new uh, president, but right. what more can you tell me about that search? You know, honestly, not much. It's a, it's being, it's, it was an honor, first of all, to serve as interim director. And, and I worked seven years with Ron Rash. He's a phenomenal person and a phenomenal leader in the solar industry and a great mentor to me. Uh, so it's an honor to be in this interim role. I think that, you know, there is a search ongoing. There, I, I, I don't know who the candidates are, but I can imagine there's very many people who would want to come work in an industry that's as vibrant you know, and it's growing as fast as this one in solar. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, the decision that the board makes uh, on its next uh, CEO and president. 
And whoever it is has got to be ready to take the charge, take that baton, and lead for the next five to ten years in this period of you know, uncertainty in which yeah. direction the U.S. solar market is going. We know it's going up, but there's going to be lots of little you know, weaves and turns along the way. What characteristics might the person have? I know you've solicited comments mm -hmm. uh, from the industry. What do they want in their next leader? So I think, I think you know, what's needed in the next leader is going to be somebody who's diplomatic. You talked about some of the different divisions across there. Running a trade association is also part of the job. It's not just the, it's not just, you know, the, what we're seeing here is the culmination of many, many months of work here yeah. in Las Vegas. There's, you know, we have roughly 35, 40 staff. It's an actual organization, a company that's got to be run. You got to have a strong leader who's got experience, you know, leading an organization in the past. You have to have somebody who's forward-looking and entrepreneurial. I think you also have to have somebody who's innovative and at the same time is able to build bridges. Hmm. There's other organizations out there that are working towards the same goal. It could be a small, uh, you know, uh, green organization in Cleveland, uh, <laughs> or it could be one of our great allies like, uh, you know, Vote Solar or our uh, state chapters where we need to come together a little bit more closely in order to leverage each other's resources to be more impactful. So, so I guess, that leader's got to be able to do that. Yeah, so I guess if somebody's watching this video and you have those characteristics, applications are still being accepted, right? .org. Okay, there you go. So uh, speaking of presidents, what, what are your thoughts on the upcoming election? Well, you know, so we've got, between Mr. Trump and Secretary Clinton, uh, I don't know very much about the energy policy of Mr. Trump. Uh, I can say that there are some initial tweets that went out early in the campaign that struck a kind of negative toward uh, core towards solar. Recently, we've heard some, you know, very recently, some more neutral to positive things about solar. I actually think that for Mr. Trump, uh, he should be looking at uh, solar as an innovative, entrepreneurial, job-creating economic machine in the U.S. I, it seems like he's not uh, playing to a climate audience. Um, or a green audience, but there are some absolute business, uh, you know, characteristics of our industry that I think Mr. Trump, if he understands the solar industry, would, would really appreciate. On the other hand, I think uh, you know Clinton, uh, you know, Secretary Clinton, and a Clinton presidency would be amazing for the solar industry. Absolutely incredible. Uh, she would be pushing us from uh, what we're expecting to be uh, over the next uh, five years, 140 gig or 2025, 140 gigawatt of uh, install capacity up to uh, she wants to be at about 170 gigawatts. Wow. She's also gotten so deep, if you read her actual policy papers online, uh, her energy policy papers are basically solar policy papers. <laughs> she loves solar, um, as, as does her husband. And I think, you know, she outlines fairly significant depth, but what you do to try to cut the red tape down to the state and local level for solar. That's really understanding the market. So I, I don't know how much Mr. Trump understands solar. I would be, if he's elected, I would hope we would be able to work with him, um, and I believe we can. Uh, Secretary Clinton, I think, does understand solar very well, and we'd be, we'd be very excited to work with, with her as president. There you go. Uh, and finally, SIA today released news about a new recycling program for right. solar modules. Uh, you're working with companies like First Solar, Sun Power, Trina Solar, and uh, recycling centers around the nation to establish this program. That's right. So first part of the question is, was there a waste management problem? Uh, and then what's your long-term goal? So I think, I think I could probably answer those together. So 
I think what's happening is as the industry is maturing, there's a, we hit our one millionth installation in the United States earlier this year. It took 40 years to do. Mm -hmm. There's we'll hit the next million within 24 months, and then we'll be at four million uh, by around 2020. So we'll be starting to install a million systems a year. When you're starting to scale like that, people start thinking about now, okay, we have to really seriously look at end of life issues. So it wasn't so much a problem as, as just the growth of the industry. Right. And so what this is doing is SIA is helping provide a centralized service by connecting uh, those who have panels that need to be recycled to uh, the recycling centers, the recyclers themselves. And by providing it as sort of a one-stop shop, you make it much easier than having a, a smaller company uh, or even a larger company go out and try to negotiate contracts for recycling on their own. Through volume, we're able to drive down the cost of recycling, and that in turn passes along you know, savings to the consumer on the front end. So recycling, we're doing the right thing uh, for the environment, and we're saving costs at the beginning, so you have more solar installed. It's a nice circle. Seems like you're uh, filling a gap uh, for a need before it's even that apparent. You know, these uh, solar panels will last 20 years, so yeah. a lot of them won't be recycled for you know a decade or two from now. So hopefully not mine. They're only about five or six years old. Oh, there you old. go. Okay. Well, Tom Kimbis, thank you so much for being here. Steve, it's a pleasure. You thank you it. for having me. My name is Stephen Bashong. I'm associate editor at Solar Power World. This has been Solar Speaks Live, powered by Unirac. Thank you. <laughs>